if you ask the average person, uh, how many matzot are there on the table at the Seder, what would the answer be? The, the interesting thing is it's actually a subject of machlokin. We'll talk about that machlokin a little later on. The approach of the Rambam and the Rif and many, many other Rishonim is that it's two, which means you end up with two of one of which is broken. And according to the Tosfot and the Rosh and Chachmei Ashkaz in general, and which the commonly accepted approach among most people is to have three of which one is broken, so you end up with two and a half. Uh, I'm not going to talk about why we break it, why we break it when we do and everything else, because that's part of a different shear that really has to do with kinderspiel to get the kids interested in what's going on. But I want to look at that question of how many matzot at the table, because I think it actually touches on something much more integral to the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and to several other points that happen during the course of the Seder. So I'll start by asking this question. How many matzot are there? I don't mean how many matzot are there on the table. How many different matzot are there in the story? So if you'd ask the average person, they would tell you there's one matzah in the story, and that's the matzah that Bnei Yisrael baked on the way out of Egypt because they didn't have time because there wasn't time for it to rise, right? That's what you would, that's the answer you'd get. Surprisingly, when you open up the Haggadah, the very first thing you say is something different than that. It's halach ma'anya, the achalu avatana be'ared Mitzrayim, source number one. We all know that line, which is we point to the matzah, we dafka take the broken piece in our hand, and we say this is the bread of, of affliction or of poverty or of oppression that our ancestors ate in Egypt, which means we're now not dealing with matzah that was eaten on the way out and that didn't rise, etc. We're now dealing with matzah that was slave food. The famous comment of the Menezra in Shemot, where he records that in his many travels, he met somebody who had been taken captive by in India, and while he was uh, an indentured servant or just a slave there, they fed him matzah. And he said, matzah is very good food to feed slaves because it's cheap, it's carbs, it doesn't go bad because it's never very good. And um, and and so he says, that's why we say here, which means that matzah, first of all, plays a role as remembering slavery. We ate matzah as slaves. Okay. Matzah certainly serves a second function, which is the exact opposite which is in the second source, Shemot Yudbet, in describing the Korban Pesach, V'achlu et ha-basar balayla zeh, sli eish umatzot amaroim yochlilu. You have to eat the, the Korban Pesach with matzah and maror. So matzah accompanies the Korban Pesach, and as such, matzah is really sort of royal food, because it's part of a royal feast. Now, you can argue that the reason that we're supposed to eat Korim Pesach with matzah is to remember the matzah of slavery and haraya, you're eating maror. The Ramam has a very interesting take on it. He says that matzah and maror with the Korim Pesach is basically like, well, if you get a hamburger, what do you get a hamburger with? You get a hamburger with a bun and lettuce. He says that's what the matzah and maror are, to make the Korim Pesach more tasty. You have some bread with it and you have some vegetables with it. That's where that goes. But even if you don't buy that, Nonetheless, the fact that the Torah obligated us to eat matzah as part of the Korban Pesach, with the Korban Pesach, and famously Hillel's approach was you actually physically eat them together, put, put them together, so much so that when we want to create a commemoration of the Korban Pesach, at the say to eat matzah, and that's the matzah we eat at the end. Um, and so matzah clearly serves a role, a role as royal food. 
food of royalty. So it's food of slavery, food of royalty. All right, so we've identified two matzahs that play a role. Is there a third matzah? The answer is, of course there is. Ask anybody. Like I said, the first answer anybody's going to give you about why why we eat matzah at this, uh, at this holiday is because the Jews didn't have time for the bread to rise, and they left Egypt, and they ate matzah on the road, which means we would call matzah the bread of freedom, right? In other words, we call it lechem oni, lechem cherut, and lechem machut, if you want to give it Hebrew words. And so there's three different matzahs. And perhaps that's what's underneath the approach of Tosfot that most, again, most people practice, which is to have three matzot at the table. One matzah represents the matzah of slavery. And that's, by the way, the broken piece that we hold up in Halach Ma'anya. One matzah, the bottom one that's shalem, is the one that we eat as part of the, perhaps, as part of the meal. And the other broken part, but the bigger broken part, seems to be the one that we eat, Zechel Korban Pesach, that we call Afikoman, which is, of course, a misnomer. So it seems to be three, three um, matzot floating around. So I'm going to double back and ask about the Rambam and the Rif, etc., whose approach is that you bring two matzot out to the table. Right? I will call it the Rambam Shita, and I here identified it as the Machloket Rambam and Tosfot. Now, again, their Machloket seems to be of a much more technical nature, but I believe that there's something more, more deeper going on in the Machloket. So I want to shift our attention away from that to a related question. Until when do you eat Korban Pesach? When is the cutoff moment for Korban Pesach? So when do you have Korban Pesach? All right. So if you... What? Is that midnight? Midnight. Good. So if you ask the average Jew on a Jewish street, again, you ask somebody on the street, they're going to not know what you're talking about. You ask the average Jew on a Jewish street, say, until when can you Korban Pesach? They'll look at you and say midnight. And by the way, they'd be right. But they wouldn't be right in the same way. I'll show you what I mean. Let's take a look at it. The Torah says, So, source two. This is in Shmot, in Pesach Mitzrayim. They should eat the meat on that night. And now, when you take a look at source four, which describes Makat Bechorot, it uses the same phrase, right? We know this Pasuk from the Haggadah because we use it for Anivu Lomalach. Right? Source 2, Source 4. Keep that in mind because we're going to get to it. Actually, we're going to get to it right now. Take a look at Source 9. We're jumping ahead in the Mechilta de Rashbi. Uh, this is actually, it appears in several places in uh, in the literature, both in Tanaitic literature and in Gemarot. When it says you eat the meat, in a later pasuk, it says, "I will." In the same parsha, I will pass to Mitzrayim Balai Lahazet. Ma Balai Lahazet and Marlamata Ad Chatzot, just like Balai Lahazet of Makat Bechorot happened at midnight. Af Balai Lahazet and Markan Ad Chatzot. So therefore, you can only Korban Pesach till midnight. In other words, the way Rabbi Lazar Azariah is describing it is, since the Korban Pesach is tied in, and it's clearly, integrally tied in with Makat Bechorot, because while Makat Bechorot is happening, we are in the houses saved from Makat Bechorot because of Dama Pesach. Therefore, the Korban Pesach can only be eaten until the moment of Makat Bechorot, Balai Lahazet. 
If you take a look at source four, when it describes how to eat the carbon Pesach in Mitzrayim, you have to eat it in Mitzrayim, ready to go, your loins girded, your shoes on, your stabs in your hand. Eat it in haste, meaning you're eating it like you're about to run. So Rabbi Kiva says, if that's the case, then what does that have to do with midnight? He says, therefore, Korban Pesach is all night. So we have a machloka between Rabbi Lazar and Azaria, midnight, Rabbi Kiva, all night. All right? That's the machloka. Now, an interesting thing happens here in the Psach. Tosfot in Masach and Megillah, the sugya of Rabbi Lazar and Azaria and Rabbi Kiva shows up in a few places in Brachot and Psachim in Megillah. Tosfot here says, Mikomakom nireda halachak Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria. Right? The Gemara there indicated that the Mishnah in in um, in, uh, in Megillah seemed to support Rabbi Akiva. He says that we paschal like Rabbi Lazar, right? And then he says, We don't have Korban Pesach. We have to make sure to eat matzah before midnight. Even the matzah at the end. Matzah is doraita. Since matzah is doraita, we have to machmer and eat it within the time bounds of the Korban Pesach, which is midnight. He says, Halal and the other Kosot, that's the Rabbana, and that we can go later. Which means, as far as Tosfot reads it, Korban Pesach drives the whole evening. Makes sense. And since he says, Mi Doraita, Korban Pesach has to be eaten by midnight, therefore, you have to finish that matzah by midnight. Okay. In the meantime, interestingly, the Rambam disagrees and says the following. Kvar biyarn b'cham makomot, you see in Hechot Korban Pesach, source 11. She'ein ha-Pesach nechal ala ar chatzot. You have to eat the Pesach by chatzot. Sounds like he agrees. Kedei laharchik min ha-Avera. Why is it that we have to finish the Korban Pesach by midnight? So you don't mess up. Just like Kriyat Shema, and just like other mitzvot that really go all night, but we say, do them before midnight so you don't mess up. So you don't say at 10 o'clock, oh, I'll take a little nap, a little dremel, and I'll wake up at, at 2 o'clock. And I'll take care of the mitzvah, and you end up sleeping all night. To make sure that doesn't happen, you have to do it by midnight. And he says explicitly, "V'din Torah sheyeachel kol halayla atshel merashacha." Me doraita, you could eat matzah, you could eat korban pesach all night, all the way until dawn, like Rabbi Akiva. Since we have now an essentialist machloket between Rambam and, and Tosfot about whether we rule like Rabbi Akiva. Or Rabbi Lazar Azaria, or in other words, whether Korban Pesach operates until midnight, Tosfot, or until dawn, Rabbi Akiva. All right. By the way, the Ramam then would allow you to finish your Seder very late because, uh, after all, Min Ikar Adin, you could go all night. And the only reason to make a Xera of limiting it to midnight is because of uh, Korban Pesach, which is Doraita, and there's a problem of Nota, et cetera. We wouldn't apply that here. So we have this machloket. question is, what's cooking in this machloket? And of course, we've got to roll it back. What's cooking in the machloket between Rabbi Lazar and Azaria and Rabbi Akiva? So I'm going, to make, I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion about it, but I want to look at one at, at the further machloket, which is the machloket about how many matzot we have. We'll start with this. This is what I started this year with, but now I want to show you the sources. The Gemara in a couple of places, both in Brachot in the middle of the sixth parak, and also here in Arab Sachim, points out that lechem oni, 
Now the famous drush of Shmuel, Lechem Shonim Olav, it's a play on words. But the simple pshat of Lechem Oni, which the Torah calls Matzah Lechem Oni, right here in Source 7. What's the definition of Lechem Oni? Ma'ani shedarko be'prusah afkan be'prusah. Since a poor man only has a slice, not a full bread, therefore, to have Lechem Oni, you have to have a slice. That means, in our terms, a broken matzah. I mean, not a whole loaf, but a slice. Not a whole matzah, a broken piece. All right? So that means that when you have your matzah on the table, you have to have a broken piece. But on the other hand, this Tosfot here in Sachim points out the, that the order of the discussion in Masachat Brachot seems to support the idea that you also need Lachemishnah. And he, he works with the order of the Sugya in Brachot Lamentet. That therefore you have the uh, the you must have lecha mishneh and you also have to have a prusa. So therefore you have something that's a little bit odd. And if you think about it, actually counterproductive. Which is, I want to look like a poor man, so I have a broken piece. But I have to have lecha mishneh. So instead of uh, instead of uh, a broken piece, I have two full pieces plus a broken piece. So I'm a very rich poor man. Okay. And then Tosfot here says, Tosfot says as follows, you take the broken piece, and that's for mitzvat matzah, because of, um, how do you call it, uh, because of lachamoni. Um, um, you take the bottom matzah, and that's the one that you do korech with, and then you take the middle matzah, that you, the other one you broke off, and you use it for um, for the final matzah. I'm not sure how Tosfot exactly configures with the with the first one, right? It says you make hamotzi on the shlema. All right. What is Rambam's approach? Rambam's approach is, is as follows, and he says it very quite explicitly in describing the seder. He says, "Wash." And I'll tell you, Adav Shnei, you have to wash again, even though you washed earlier. You're reading the Agadah, you weren't paying attention, your hands got dirty, etc. You take two matzot. You break one in half. And by the way, in the Rambam's world, you take two whole matzot, they're sitting on the table the whole time, and then you break one in half um, when you're about to make hamotzi, and you leave it there, and you take the broken half and put it inside, because we're talking about lafa, real matzah, Put it inside the full one. How come you don't have lechem mishnah like every other yom tov? In the Rambam's world, lechem oni means this has got to be the experience of a poor man. A poor man doesn't have full, so therefore he doesn't have two full breads of lechem mishnah plus a broken piece. Rather, you look poor. I don't have a full lechem mishnah. I have one in a broken piece. Okay, so Tosfot, the Rambam explicitly says you have two matzot and one of them is broken. Tosfot explicitly says three and one of them is broken. And again, most people end up practicing like Tosfot. I think at most of your tables there's three matzot. Uh, the Vilna Gaon practice like the Rambam, except on Shabbat. We've, we are from the Gohan's family, so we also do that, except, of course, First Seder will have three, because it's on Shabbat this year. All right. But what's actually going on? I believe there's something deeper going on with the issue of three matzot or two. 
And we'll come back to the question historically, meaning in the story, how many matzot are there? Are there three matzot? The matzah of slavery, the matzah of freedom, and the matzah of royalty? Or perhaps there are only two matzot? So let me ask this question. When were we redeemed from Egypt? At what point in the day were we redeemed from Egypt? And that's something that you can see as a much more ontological machloka. When were we redeemed from, from Egypt? Were we redeemed when we walked out of Egypt? When the Egyptians said, go, and we said, we'll leave when we're ready to leave, and we left in the morning and we walked out beyond Ramah? Or were we redeemed from Egypt with Makat Bechorot? That's the real question. And I'll explain what I mean. We, eat, we ate matzah as we left because we didn't have time for, for the bread to rise. Famous, and again, that's the first answer people will give you. Is that the same matzah as the matzah of slavery or not? Well, that all depends on whether there is a break between slavery and freedom. In other words, do we say slavery existed until midnight on that night? And at midnight of that night, we were no longer slaves. And then there's six hours between midnight and dawn when we are sitting and waiting. We're not eating Korban Pesach anymore. Finish the Korban Pesach. I'm following Rabbi Lazar and Azariah. And now we're in this, this DMZ, this D, I don't want to say militarized, but we're in this no man's land between slaves and free. We're still in our houses. We're still in Egypt. We haven't left. And yet, we're not enslaved anymore. And during that time, we know we're going to be leaving, so we put together some food to go. It doesn't have time to rise. We take it out. That's the bread of freedom. What bread did we take with us? We took the bread of freedom. That's a separate matzah. And besides that, there was matzah we ate that night with Korban Pesach, and matzah we'll eat in the future, which is the food of royalty, with Korban Pesach. Three matzot. That will, of course, only be true if we were redeemed at night. But if you say that we were only redeemed in the morning when we left, and the nighttime was just the last slap to the Egyptians to get them into place, but we were only redeemed when we walked out, then that means that the matzah of slavery and the matzah of freedom are all one thing. There was no break. What did we take with us? We took our slave food with us. There was no time to shift from being slaves to preparing for freedom. We had our slave food sitting around. That's matzah. So we grabbed it and we took it. There wasn't time to let it rise. So we ran out. So there's one matzah of slavery slash freedom. And there's another matzah of royalty. In other words, whether we look at the story and see two matzah phenomena or three matzah phenomena will be fully dependent on at what point in time we pinpoint the redemption. If we pinpoint the redemption at midnight, then that means that slavery goes till midnight. Then there's an empty zone until we leave. And that's when we prepare the matzah of freedom. And then there's matzah of royalty. If, on the other hand, we want to argue that the redemption only happened in the morning, that means there's no break between them. And the matzah that we ate on the road, the matzah that didn't have time to rise, was slave food. Lach And there's two matzot. Interesting. Now let's think about it. Rambam's position is that Korban Pesach is eaten all night. Rambam's position is against Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. It follows Rabbi Akiva. Why would that be the case? 
Because what is what is Rabbi Kiva rejecting? Rabbi Kiva is rejecting the correlation between Balai Lahazev eating Korban Pesach and Balai Lahazev Makat Bechorot. Because Makat Bechorot happened at midnight. But in the meantime, you eat the Korban Pesach all night. This is part of your festival of redemption. It's happening all night and it only concludes in the morning. So as far as the Rambam is concerned, slavery lasted till the morning. And we're celebrating our anticipated freedom. And then we leave. How many matzot are there in the Rambam's world? There's two matzot. The matzah of slavery slash freedom and the matzah of royalty. So therefore the Rambam says, have two matzot at your table. Since one of them is royalty, it's a full matzah. Since one of them is slavery slash freedom, that's broken. And that's the Rambam. In the meantime, what's Tosfot's approach? Tosfot rules like Rabbi Lezman Azariah, which means he says, redemption happened at midnight. That's why the court in Pesach had to be finished by midnight. So that means that was the end of the broken matzah, if you will. That was the end of Lachmanya. Then there was all night to prepare food for the road. That's Lacham Cherut. That's the bread of the road. That's the second matzah. And then there's the bread of royalty. And so therefore, Tosot says there's three matzahs. Three matzahs on the table. And this odd kind of paradoxical reality of having three matzahs, one of which is broken to symbolize Lechem Oni, it's kind of, like I said, a rich poor man, actually makes a lot of sense. Because one of the three experiential motifs that I'm trying to remember is slavery. That's Lechem Oni. But the other two are Wachamishna, the royalty and freedom. And so therefore I have three. Now an interesting thing happens in the Haggadah. And when we get to this passage in the Haggadah, we sometimes either gloss over it, it's kind of wonder like, what is this doing here? There is the famous story of the of the five Chachamim, Mesumim bin Brebrak. We've talked about it in the past. And it and then after that we quote a Mishnah. The Mishnah is at the end of the first parak of Brachot. In other words, the rule that we mention every night is a rule that was proposed by Rabbi Lazarus Azariah, and he shares with us. As long as I worked at it, I could not get that legislation passed. I could not persuade my colleagues until... Ben Zoma came up with his famous drasha, which was a man, that the call in there extends it to Leilot. And Chachamim said, no, call extends it to Motor Mashiach. And that's a different discussion. But this, if you remember, shows up right after the story of the five Chachamim. The story of the five Chachamim I get, because we just finished saying, etc. You have to tell the story, and the more you do, the better it is. And here's a story of five of the greatest Chachamim in history spending all night telling the story. I get that. But what's this Mishnah doing there? Remember, that's the next passage in the Haggadah. So look at the Nusach of the Haggadah. It's not just the Rambam. Many people have this Nusach. Source 16. You're all familiar with that passage. Meaning, 
That Mishnah was originally said that morning in Bnei Brak. Rabbi Lezben turns to his colleagues and he says, I've been lobbying for Zechirat Yitzhak Mitzrayim to be mentioned every night. What's the relevance of that? Rabbi Lezben is making the argument that redemption happened at night. Take a look here in this analysis of Rabbi Lezben statement in the Gemara. That we were redeemed at night. The Pasuk says, God took you out at night. Of course, we didn't leave. When he actually walked out, it was during daytime. So whose haste is it that we're eating until the haste of the Egyptians? They're all upset because of the Bechorot. They give us as we're eating until the haste of Israel when we're about to leave. In other words, we have machloket about when the redemption happened. Did it happen at night or during the day? Rabbi Lazarus Azariah turns to his colleagues and says, every night we should be remembering Yitzhak Mitzrayim, not just during the day, because every night is a reminder of that powerful night when we were redeemed. And the Chachamim turned to him and said, no, we were redeemed during the day. There's no reason to mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim at night. We weren't let out at night. Now roll it all together. Rabbi Lazarus Azariah maintains that Korban Pesach can only be eaten until midnight. Because as far as Rabbi Lazarus Azariah goes, is concerned, the redemption happened at that moment. And therefore, Balai Lazet, just like we eat it, Balai Lazet, we eat it associated with the Makat Bacharot. Makat Bacharot was the redemption. And therefore, that's when, the, that, that's when the redemption happens. And therefore, he says, redemption happened at night. Therefore, we should be mentioned, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, just like we mentioned every day, because we walked out during the day, mentioned every night, because we're redeemed at night. Chacham turned around and said, we weren't redeemed at night. We were redeemed at dawn. That's when we left. Now, since Rabbi Lazar and Azariah says that we were redeemed at night, therefore, there really are three different matzot in the story. And therefore, Tosfut, who rules like Rabbi Lazar and Azariah about Korban Pesach, rules that we need three matzot. The Rambam rules like Rabbi Akiva and says there was no redemption at night. And therefore, we, uh, therefore, Korban Pesach was eaten all night. Therefore, there was no gap between slavery and freedom. It's all one matzah. And therefore, the Rambam says we end up with two matzot at the table to really replicate Lechem Oni with one full matzah the bread of royalty, and one broken matzah, the, the food of slavery slash freedom, which still carries with it the nuances of lechemoni. So hopefully this puts together three different components on the side of each of Rabbi and Rabbi Kiva, or shall we say on the side of Tosfot versus the Rambam, um, because again, it cuts to a, a deeper issue about the whole story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, about how we view the events of the night. To view the events of the night essentially as our being protected in the houses while the Egyptians were being smacked, or does it re, does it re, reflect God's redemption of Bnei Israel? And that's the moment at which we find they are called Geulim, redeemed, and then we're in a waiting pattern until morning until we're ready to leave.